Welcome to Vision of Zion. Hello, Sean. Hi, Greg. It's great to be here this afternoon. <laughs> it is. We've knocked out uh, two chapters of Isaiah, and we feel like the spirit is is good right now. And so we're going to go into this third chapter tonight, Isaiah chapter 23. And hopefully that will give our audience and listeners uh, you know, plenty to chew on until next week. <laughs> <laughs> I may not release them all at once. Uh, you know, there's some post-production work that needs to go into these. And so uh, we will have all three of these out uh, before next weekend. So, Sean, why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction to the chapter of Isaiah 23? My hope is that you'll continue to listen to these podcasts and you can take notes and take your questions to God for further light and knowledge on these subjects we are discussing to see how these words of Isaiah fit into your life and your stewardships. At this time, you could probably download their notes here and follow along and and write on them and uh, with your questions that you can take to God. In this chapter of Isaiah 23, this focuses on the people that lived in Tyre, which was a major shipping capital for the eastern Mediterranean area. So I want to make a comment about this real quick, just get it out of the way this chapter establishes in my opinion the seership of joseph smith because in verse one it talks about the ships of tarshish in another version of isaiah it talks about another item when joseph smith did the inspired translation before these two versions were known he added them in they're both in there which so I'll point that out if I can, but it's there's no reason he could have gotten should have and could have gotten that right without divine inspiration. So let me go ahead and read verses one through seven, Sean. Okay. The burden of Tyre, T Y R E. Howl, you ships of Tarshish, for it is laid waste so that there is no house, no entering in. From the land of Katim, it is revealed to them. Be still, you inhabitants of the coast, you whom the merchants of Sidon that pass over the sea have replenished on great waters the seed of Shihor. The harvest of the Nile was her revenue. She was the market of nations. Be ashamed, Sidon, for the sea has spoken, the stronghold of the sea, saying, I have not travailed nor given birth, neither have I nourished young men nor brought up virgins. When the report comes to Egypt, they will be in anguish at the report of Tyre. Pass over to Tarshish. Well, you inhabitants of the coast, is this your joyous city, whose iniquity is of ancient days, whose feet carried her far away to travel? This island city of Tyre, or Tyre is located southeast of Beirut, Lebanon and was blessed with not one but two separate harbors which faced opposite sides of the island, Tyre became a major destination for merchant ships, hoping to trade and practice commerce with the people of the eastern Mediterranean. Over time, it became a very wealthy city. They built heavy fortifications around the city. The people of Tyre were generally thought of as Phoenicians. They worshipped Canaanite gods of Baal. 
This type of worship included ritualized prostitution, sex worship, and infant sacrifice. One of the more famous Canaanite worshipers in this area was Jezebel and her husband, King Ahab. The land of Kittim is believed to be the origin of many Eastern Asian people. King Nebuchadnezzar, whom Daniel writes about, took siege of Tyre in 586 BC for 13 years as prophesied in Ezekiel 26. Nebuchadnezzar conquered the main land city of Tyre, but failed to conquer the island city. In 332 BC, Alexander the Great conquered Tyre. Some of the key points that we see in Ezekiel's prophecy there would be many nations against Tyre. That's in Ezekiel 26.3. Her soil would be scraped away and she would become a shining bare rock, as spoken of in Ezekiel 26.4. Settlements in the countryside would be slaughtered, which is in Ezekiel 26.6. Tyre's stones, woodwork, and soil would be thrown into the water, as spoken of in Ezekiel 26.12. We could liken this great shipping port of Tyree to Taiwan today. Political control of Taiwan is highly contested today, as the Republic of China wants more control over this area. The majority of Taiwanese people practice a combination of Buddhism and Taoism, often with Confucianism worldview as a religion. Christians make up about 3.9% of the total population of Taiwan today. Okay, let's go to verses 8 through 12. Who has planned this against Tyre, the giver of crowns, whose merchants are princes, whose traders are the honorable of the earth? Yahweh of armies has planned it to stain the pride of all of glory, to bring into contempt all the honorable of the earth. Pass through your land like the Nile, daughter of Tarshish. There is no restraint anymore. He has stretched out his hand over the sea. He has shaken the kingdoms. Yahweh has ordered the destruction of Canaan's strongholds. He said, You shall rejoice no more, you oppressed virgin daughter of Sidon. Arise, pass over to Katim. Even there you will have no rest. One might ask who planned this takeover of Tyree. Tyree made many merchants, princes, and honorable traders of the earth. Yahweh of armies has planned it because it will bring down the pride of all the world and humble the world. Tarshish was a place far across the sea from Phoenicia, modern Lebanon, and the land of Israel. It was said to have exported vast quantities of import metals to Phoenicia and Israel. So daughter of Tarshish is Tyre without the goods being brought to Tyre, the manufacture it would have no value to world traders. It was needed to bring the raw materials from Tarish to Tyree to be produced and made into other things. There was, There is no restraint anymore. He was stretched out his hand over the sea and has shaken the kingdoms. Yahweh, God, has ordered the destruction of Canaan strongholds. This servant... Yahweh of armies, has a stewardship to fulfill in turning the hearts and minds of the children of this earth back to the one and only true God, 
who allowed them to have this earthly experience. The Canaanites represent a group of people that do not see Christ as the central figure in our path to get to heaven. They do not see the power of the atonement and becoming at one with God. The pride and iniquity of these wealthy traitors has affected the whole world. Hmm. Let's go on to verses 13 through 18. Behold, the land of the Chaldeans, this people was not. The Assyrians founded it for those who dwell in the wilderness. They set up their towers. They overthrew its palaces. They made it a ruin. Howl, you ships of Tarshish, for your stronghold is laid waste. It will come to pass in that day that Tyre will be forgotten 70 years, according to the days of one king, after the city, you prostitute that has been forgotten. Oh, did I read that wrong? I think I read it wrong. Yeah. Let me go back. It will come to pass in that day that Tyre will be forgotten 70 years, according to the days of one king. After the end of 70 years, it will be to Tyre like the song of the prostitute. Take a harp, go about the city, you prostitute that has been forgotten. Make sweet melody, sing many songs that you may be remembered. It will happen after the end of 70 years that Yahweh will visit Tyre, and she shall return to her wages, and will play the prostitute with all the kingdoms of the world on the surface of the earth. Her merchandise and her wages will be holiness to Yahweh. It will not be treasured or laid up, for her merchandise will be for those who dwell before Yahweh to eat sufficiently and for durable clothing. Forgotten 70 years according to the days of one king, after the end of 70 years, it will be to Tyree. This wording right here is different than the King James Version, and it is probably so far the largest segment I've found in the difference between the King James and the Dead Sea Scrolls, but I think it will help us have more understanding because of the addition of the according to the days of one king. The land of Chaldeans is referring to the whole of Babylon. The Chaldeans were once a nomadic people wandering the northwest end of the Persian Gulf. This would be the southern part of Iraq today. The Chaldeans were known for astrology and witchcraft. The Assyrians founded it for those who dwell in the wilderness. They set up their towers, they overthrew its palaces, and made it a ruin. Here we have the king of Assyria coming into play. Today, many people see this king of Assyria as a group as being China and Russia. The Assyrian army in this verse overruns their palaces and sets up towers to watch the people. The ships of Tarish refers to the harbor where the large ships were loaded with valuable merchandise to faraway lands. Tarish is often referred to as the port where gold and silver was shipped from. This area was where the wealthy lived. And it came to pass that in that day Tyre will be forgotten seventy years according to the days of one king. After the end of seventy years it will be to Tyre like in the song of a prostitute. The words in red are different than the King James translation. These words from the Dead Sea Scrolls provide more clarity. The song of the prostitute like a harp to go about the city, you prostitute, that has been forgotten, sweet, make a sweet melody, sing many songs that you may be remembered. It will happen after the end of 70 years that Yahweh 
will visit Tyre, and she will return to her wages and play the prostitute with all kingdoms of the world on the surface of the earth. Her merchandise and her wages will be holiness to Yahweh. It will not be treasured nor laid up, for her merchandise will be for those who dwell before Yahweh to eat sufficiently and for durable clothing. This China was declared Taiwan a province of China in 1886. If we add 70 years to that, that is 1956. In 1954 and 55, after World War II, the island of Taiwan was shelled by the Communist People's Republic of China. The United States Congress and President Dwight D. Eisenhower passed the Formosa Revolution to defend Taiwan and its possessions. Taiwan returned to becoming profitable after World War II in 1956. It started that route. The Church of Jesus Christ first sent missionaries to Taiwan in 1956. These missionaries did not have Book of Mormons written in the Chinese language. Taiwan is about one-sixth the size of Utah and yet holds 24 million people. After World War II in 1956, manufacturing in Taiwan began to grow. In 2021, Taiwan was the world's sixth largest holder of foreign exchange reserves and was ranked 11th in gold reserves. A tiny country is a central hub of world trade today. There are so many parallels between Tyre and Taiwan today. We'll play the prostitute with all kingdoms of the world on the surface of the earth. What more fitting than Taiwan? Taiwan has made adjustments to manufacture and produce goods for whichever country that came with a need. The prostitute adjusts her voice and tailors herself to fit whatever man is looking, man is looking for and to make money from him. Here are some questions for you, the listener this week, to pray about. Are the things Tyre, Taiwan are producing to the holiness of Yahweh now? Will this pattern of 70 years repeat itself in 70 years from 1956? Will Taiwan experience another change of rule in 70 years, according to one king? Hmm. We see that the... You know, the latter part of this verse just cannot, we cannot say it's been fulfilled. Um, because Yahweh will step in, meaning God, and her merchandise will not be treasured nor laid up. Her merchandise will be for those who dwell before Yahweh, before God, to eat sufficiently and for durable clothing. And that I don't see as being fulfilled yet, because right now it's being given out and, you know, it may gives pride to the rest of the world. This is the first part. It brings pride and things and adjusts her things to whatever country needs things there. So you think there's another 70 years from 1956 to the present? Yes. A, count, a countdown. Okay. Right. 
What is that? What year does that come to? <laughs> I've done the math. Uh, 2026. That's pretty soon. So one question might be, is that when she changes leadership? Or is that when she starts producing holiness materials for God that will help the righteous? A lot to think well, about there. That's, those are great questions to ask. Uh, Taiwan is obviously uh, a very pivotal flashpoint, potentially. It's a country that China claims that it belongs to China. But that's where everybody, that's the island everybody ran to uh, during the uh, communist takeover of China. And the uh, the U.S. has been ambivalent, right, about its support. It's offered defense, its defenses of Taiwan, but it also has the one China policy. Uh, interestingly enough, what I think is going to bring it to a head as far as potential for war is uh, the fact that the government, our government, has recently banned certain uh, computer chips from being sold to China, which is going to put them behind. China has been unable to produce the highest quality chips that Taiwan is capable of making. I think the the best country for making microchips is Taiwan. The most elaborate, yes. sophisticated, powerful chips are in Taiwan. Uh, according to people I've talked to in the news I've heard, I have a friend in the business who said China has, but no, two people, China has not been able to, for whatever reason, cannot does not have a technological ability to produce the high-end chips, the the equipment, or the know-how. Uh, there could be several reasons for that, but that's just the stat, status. That's the situation now. So uh, China knows it's in trouble with the, with the supply being cut off and the inability to match what the rest of the world is going to be doing. So it's been doing lots of uh, exercises about invading Taiwan recently. Yeah. We see um, Nancy Pelosi and other politicians flying over there in secret meetings. Yeah. And then we see, see uh, taking military ships over there and aircraft carriers. We see China flying up against ours and they're contested over the airspace there. And it's, um, it's not peaceful. It's not peaceful. Does that play into this chapter, do you believe? Yes. Yeah. And if you see what happened in the earlier years, like in 1886, when uh, China took it over there for a while as a province and things, there was great discern and great problems. And then if you look at the end of World War II there, and the that when the United States stepped in there in the Treaty of... Uh, Formosa resolution and the things the United States did with Dwight D. Eisenhower there to bring peace to that area, there was a lot of turmoil at that time, and they they just they couldn't produce anything after World War II and make much. But what they have done and the, the things that they grow in such a densely populated area of the world, I mean, it is super densely populated. Well, I think the whole world is starting to focus on China with uh, 
with uh, well, for a lot of reasons, but mainly the one that you're talking about. Um, I'd like to go back and talk about this uh, proof of Joseph Smith, uh, a question that, that the, the chances the, the chances for this to be just a coincidence or l good luck is outside the realm of, uh, you know, what's reasonable. Uh, let me see if I can bring this to bear in a way that uh, makes some sense. Um, so there's this phrase that is in the Book of Mormon. It says, and uh, quoting allegedly from Isaiah, and upon all the ships of the sea and all the ships of Tarshish, which is what's in the Book of Mormon, which is, in the, which is in the Septuagint. But the King James Version excludes all the ships of the sea and only says all the ships of Tarshish. Now, this could just be simply misquoting, and I'm reading from an article. Uh, while digging through memory to recite a verse about all the ships, it would only be natural to think of, think, quote, of the sea, close quote, if only for a moment before remembering the next line is actually of Tarshish. Such a natural association might even lead to the original inclusion of the phrase in the Septuagint. As such, there's absolutely no reason to suppose Joseph Smith must have had access to the Septuagint versus to make this mistake. So I can't get into all of it now, but uh, the fact that if Joseph was just looking at, you know, the book, the uh, book of uh, Isaiah in the King James Version, he wouldn't have been able to add that phrase that was removed, and yet it appears. I said the Dead Sea Scrolls, but I was wrong. It was it's in the Septuagint. So anyway, I won't get into all this now. It's a little bit off track from what you're talking about, Sean. But um, in, um, you know, about a year ago, I was looking at the a map of world ship traffic, and they were talking about during COVID uh, how we'd halted manufacturing and stuff, and the backup of ships over there at Taiwan was astronomical. I had no idea the amount of ships that come and load out of uh, Taiwan. And it was just far more than anything we could imagine around other places of the world. It was so huge. But interestingly no. enough, the Greeks own most of the shipping and the shipping routes. Hmm. Even though they're going into Taiwan, they own the shipping industry. The Greeks do. Well, I'm not very qualified to talk much except on these issues, except to say that uh, we know from any product we pick up in our stores, anywhere, any retail store, online or retail, walk-in, so much of what we enjoy in this country is manufactured, assembled, whatever, in China. And uh, I think it's like 37%, but it seems like it's far more than that on the retail end for end users or consumers. So... And, of course, we know that the drugs that a lot of us need to take in this country originate in China. The I've been told that the transformers that we use in this country for electrical lines are made in China, mainland China. Uh, yeah. If there's an EMP strike, which would be something exploding above the sky in our country or several of them, we wouldn't be able to replace the damaged, unprotected 
transformers. We'd be in a world of hurt. It would take a long time to recover from things like that. When I was younger and read about, you know, Richard Nixon deciding we need to have good relations with China. Uh, I think he called it the, you know, the 600 pound bear in the room was China uh, with its population size, with its uh, ability to influence the world. And he went over there trying to normalize relations with them and, and be good. And by the way, we had great relations before the communist takeover. We, if you go back and read about World War II and U.S. and China, we really helped China out when they were being attacked by the Japanese to a big extent. And But then, of course, there was the revolution after and things and the dynamics have changed. But I, not to get political because I don't have the skill or the knowledge, I can just see what's going on at a at a macroscopic level. Uh, but I do think a lot about the often dished <laughs> or disrespected uh, prophecy written now decades ago, the White Horse prophecy you referred to, where it says, I can pretty much quote it, Joseph allegedly said, and this is back in 1840, so it really is like a a kicker, unless great care is taken, this country will be invaded by the heathen Chinese. Of course, word heathen means anybody not a part of the house of Israel, a heathen Gentile. It's in the Greek, it's the same word, or in the Hebrew, it's the same word. Anyway, he said, but where there is no law, there is no condemnation, and this will, this will apply to them. Unless great care is taken, we could be invaded. Are we assuming that's true or Assuming today, um, do we risk invasion? I mean, you, Sean, you've been reading about the word invasion for almost, I don't know, we for chapter 23, the word invasion has come up a lot. And you have to ask yourself, did, did these men, although it's an unapproved revelation because it didn't come through the normal channels, did they remember enough of what Joseph said, these two men that wrote it down and compared notes, to warrant some consideration for these prophecies that um great care needs to be taken otherwise we could be facing invasion uh now to go to a whole other source um i've been reading joel scalzen's newsletters world affair world affairs brief wab the wab or the wab however you want to abbreviate it. he has a website called world world, world affairs brief and i i subscribe to it I get 52 copies a year. It's a best bargain out there. He does an in-depth analysis of uh, world news, and he's been doing it for decades. And as I like to say, Sean, I hate it when he's right, because he yeah. almost has nothing good to say about yeah. the future. It's always bad news. But he's been saying, and China has publicly declared, because I read this elsewhere, that they're ready to take on the world you know, uh, militarily by the year 2027. Yeah. Uh, and they will have a more powerful army. And my friend, another friend tells me to well, look at how many, you know, nuclear subs they have, look at how many nuclear missiles they have. The number's way understated. Uh, we stopped using, you know, the neutron bomb uh back under Carter. They didn't stop. And on and on and on and on. The capability is there. And uh for some reason, some strange reason, the media uh, and the government has kept quiet about this until what? Very recently. 
like many months after COVID, uh, the second half of the Biden administration, now we're hearing about the threats about China. But those who've been watching this have known this for a long, long time. And the flashpoint is Taiwan. We're seeing our military exercises. We're seeing uh, our political leaders trying to uh, work out agreements and uh, coordination with Japan, the Philippines, and probably other friends in the in the Pacific Rim area uh, as China claims the waterways that belong to them, uh, building islands in the middle of these places yeah. for military purposes, it's very aggressive behavior, and we're exhibiting aggressive behavior. Uh, and what Skousen says, this is what he says, okay? I'm not saying it. I'm saying what he says, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I hope you're not right. So this is my my attitude, right? Because he's, he has said a lot of things. But one of the things that he says is that China and Russia are going to unite forces to attack America. Every time yeah. you talk about King of Assyria, I think about this uh, alliance. Um, yeah. Russia doesn't have the manpower to occupy the United States. China does. And what right. Skousen claims is going to happen is that China and Russia are going to combine forces and they're going to defeat or try to defeat America. Uh, and that uh, eventually, once that is accomplished, then they're going to have an internal conflict between one another for world domination. But for now, they're, you know, the friend of my friend, the friend, well, how, how does that the friend, this phrase go? Friend of the my friend. enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's what we have between China and Russia. Yeah. There's a, and we see that relationship improving through the Ukraine Russian special operation, special military operation or war. Uh, we see these relationships. Uh, you know, align alignments going on right now. All of it is, you know, uh, pointing in this direction. So it's uh, it's concerning. Uh, the treaties that we have had with Russia to, I think, SALT 1 and SALT 2, they're about ready to go to the wayside, and that's bad news um, because although I heard it differently from people um, there were there were inspections allowed on both sides, and the proliferation of nuclear weapons was dropping. But now, without treaties, and we can't come to terms with them, those anti-proliferations are going to be gone. And China was never part of them anyway. It was Russia right. and the U.S. China has nuclear weapons. They have nuclear capability. They have EMP capability. They have, they're trying to Biological. build the largest. Oh, are you saying Wuhan lab was responsible <laughs> for the leak? Sloppy work over there, but it came from, you know, a lab that we helped fund. So who knows where it originated, but it escaped from the Wuhan lab. And that's coming up every day. Now, even our own intelligence uh, bodies are saying, yeah, it wasn't a wet market. So yeah, a lot of, um, and I told I was told a long time ago, by the way, that my friend said most of the flus in the world that are unintentional, they 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 come out of China. Why? Because in some parts of that country, in the agrarian parts, 
uh, humans live in close proximity to pigs and other, you know, animals that from which the flus that we that spread across the world that come out of there. So it's, it's a lot of it's unintentional. This one was probably unintentional, but they definitely had what's the term um, when they manipulate nature to try and oh uh, something gain what do they call it gain a function. Although yeah. we don't want to call it that. There's another term they use, but that's <laughs> the general term. So. A lot of crazy things, and what's interesting is, as I, I watch the the this unfold in the world, and I read these people who digest the news and give it to us in a way we can maybe better understand. I keep looking at the prophecies and the revelations given to members of our church, and the parallels are quite frankly they're they're concerning. Uh, I'm looking over here at my book, Suzanne Freeman, and and uh, my grandfather, and uh, Charles D. Evans, and Sarah Manette. These are people who had books out for some of them for decades, some of them for you know over 100 years, talking about these things. And we see the prophetic uh, thread in all of them, and it's. Uh, what I see is uh, there's other other versions of invasion. It, they don't say Taiwan. Some say it's a, a war between Israel and others that triggers it. Uh, Joel Skousen says that you know we we under a an executive order under Clinton and he can cite the number that we have decided not to have first strike capability. That we're going to absorb and we're going to absorb a nuclear strike and then hopefully we can strike back he thinks maybe we have super weapons don't know if we can really survive it or not um, he sees three great powers in the world struggling for world control one of them is this anglo power we see between united states maybe nato for sure great britain australia you know this axis of power among the anglo countries China, Russia, and we're all kind of in this dance to take control of the world. And uh, so when people say, "Is there, who's calling the shots? Depends on which camp you're looking at. But it's pretty clear they don't mind uh, losing life. Uh, some alternative media sources, you know, talk about, you don't hear it in the regular media about how badly Ukraine is losing. <clears throat> During this offensive, they're losing like three or four thousand people a day. Since they're offensive to take over like five hundred square miles, they're losing tons and tons of people. Uh, and but you hear leaders in Europe talking about rebuilding Ukraine. Is this a big move for NATO to you know bring in all these other countries that we're not supposed to under prior treaties that we signed? Not supposed to add new members to NATO yet. We're going to do it. We're doing it. People are applying for membership. I mean, is this a move for, uh, you know, the West taking over Ukraine uh, for its own purposes? And don't really care who's dying. It, it's a, these times that we're in are tumultuous. And again, you come back to, are we ignoring the word of the Lord? Are these the judgments of God? As it says in the Book of Mormon, in the Book of Mormon, the wicked destroy the wicked. Um, I don't know. I don't know, but so in the 
you know, I think it would be appropriate to take some time, Craig, and address the White Horse prophecy because it's been spoken of. You know, we'll do this obviously in another podcast, but we're coming to an end of a three-chapter series here where Isaiah has been for the last three chapters talking about what happens after the midpoint of the tribulation. And he's talking about different groups of people and how they're affected for the last three chapters. And we're going to make a shift here in chapter 4 through 27 of talking about uh, the time of the, they're called the apocalyptic chapters, and where we are going to go into what happens after the wicked are destroyed from this earth and what happens for the next three chapters, which is interesting in of itself after they're wiped out. But this might be appropriate soon to address the White Horse Prophecy and connect it with the scriptures and what parts Joseph Smith was actually pulling from scriptures as he made this prophecy. Yeah, that's a great idea. I think it's a really good idea because we can compare the White Horse Prophecy to other prophecies, to statements made by our own general authorities, like the Constitution hanging by a thread. Uh, and I was going to mention, too, that the scenario that Skousen talks about is very political. Uh, you know, North Korea is going to be the aggressor. It involves Taiwan, etc. These kind of these proxy wars. But um, in the in the revelations that I've read from people who have seen things, you know, it comes about when America's weak, not only financially but also earthquakes, natural disasters. You know, as I keep mentioning, it seems like in the scriptures it's. Uh, man versus man man versus nature and then god versus and then man versus god and his angels is the pattern of cleansing uh but anyway yeah they don't come over until they come over to help us during time of uh a cataclysmic uh and um within the white horse prophecy it talks about the weakening of the united states which is leading up to this and so you know and addressing that so it'd be really good to think at this point to make another podcast and do okay I, I like i like that we talk about the origin of it um how it was put together when it was written because like i say it is a very old prophecy now it's a very old uh thing that we can look at now in the benefit of hindsight and say gee why does this sound so modern it really sounds modern today i mean i picture in the 1800s when it was allegedly given People must have said, there's no way China can do that. <laughs> Today, yeah. there's no question at all. No one, and even in just the last two years, they're finally talking, or year even, uh, they're talking about China being a threat. And it's been there all along, but it's, it's almost as if someone gave them permission to talk about it suddenly. You know, wow. strange times we live in. All right. Okay. Well, Sean, again, thank you for your work. Uh, thank, thank you, you for so listeners. Much, Craig. You bet. Really appreciate it. And thanks for our listeners. This has yes. been Vision of Zion.